Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlon. And this is New Tricks for Old Dogs. Our podcast features the many ways us older folks howl at the moon, odd news items you don't normally hear about, and conversations with other old dogs who are growing bolder, not older. So if you've got 25 minutes or so, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. After the old dogs ramble a bit, we will introduce you to the world's worst cat. We'll announce the passing of Buck Henry. We'll let you know about new emergency care options for seniors. We'll tell you about a Japanese billionaire who is looking for love in outer space. We'll give you another glimpse of that ubiquitous Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. And we'll embrace the new normal. The Old Dog's conversation is with Wendell Buddy Barnes, an engineer who has had a long career first with the military, then with government, and currently as a consultant. Stay with us. Well, Paul... What's on your mind today? Well, you know, we have a pod nugget today in uh, today's uh, uh, episode uh, from Jane Brody, who did a column in the New York Times about adjusting to the new normal. Very popular phrase. And and now in her her case, it's really uh, her health that she's had to adjust to Mm -hmm. and accept the fact that there are some things she just can't do anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. But we do hear that phrase a lot, oh, the yeah. new normal. Right. And and somehow I'm getting that that translates to, hey, get over it. <laughs> Deal <laughs> well, with it. Well, what is it to you? What what does the new normal mean to you that you're getting over? Well, if, if we're referring to changes, one big change that I haven't fully embraced is social media. Okay. Uh, I have a Facebook account, but I don't live there. I, I don't uh, I don't put a lot of stuff on there. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge my friends' birthdays, but that's about it. I'm not on Twitter, and I'm not on a lot of the other social medias. What are they? Sneezes, giggles, wheezes? What are the other? Yeah, those are all yeah legitimate social media. Okay, right. well, all that's okay. Ask if, your daughter. Uh, yeah, you know she would go. <sighs> yeah, maybe you're not supposed to be on social media. That would probably be her her response. But you know, I, I uh, there is something I haven't adjusted to. How about yourself? Well, I, I don't know. There, there are things that physically I have had to readjust. I can't play tennis anymore, for example. And I used to love to play tennis, but my joints just won't handle it. So, what other physical activities are left? Well, there's walking, and that can be very pleasurable uh, and not uh, necessarily overly exerting. Um, but you're right. There are things that are new in our world that we are learning to adapt to or choosing to ignore. I'm on Facebook, and I regularly contribute or at least uh, see what others uh, of my friends are doing. And in a sense, uh, which is one of the benefits of social media, I get to stay in touch with people that in the past I would never have been able to stay in touch with. So that's something that's ever changing for you. That's a new normal, or it's normal in that I expect to be connected to people in this way. Okay. And before it was either a phone call or a letter, maybe a birthday card once a year or a Christmas card. And there's much more interaction now with friends of that type. Well, you know, I have to go along with Jane Brody that probably the biggest uh, uh, new normal that we have to adjust to is our changing health and yeah. mobility. Right, and that—that's just a reality, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, you know, I've had uh, 
two knee replacements. And so that, that affects what you can do and what you can't do. And, you know, you, there are days you get up and you're just stiff and sore all over. And you just don't want to do anything. I mean... Um, and yet here you are. You've come all this way. Well, I'm actually phoning this one <laughs> right now. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's a big adjustment for me. And the new normal, it's almost like a monthly thing. You know, if you have something new you have to deal with, uh, you adjust your life to whatever that might be. You know, and that may be a key phrase. You have to deal with it. And I think that that is a way that people kind of get ground down that, oh, here's just another thing, you know, that I have to deal with now that I I wasn't expecting this. It's like we didn't expect to get old or something, right? <laughs> well, you know, the alternative. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, that that often plays out in, in grumbling and, you yeah, know, right. complaining. And certainly nobody wants to be around that kind of noise. Grumpy grandpa. Yeah, grumpy grandpa. So, yeah, I, th- I, I think I have been pretty good at uh, facing the changes in my life with a positive attitude. You know, I thought of another adjustment. Uh, y- your hearing gets diminished. Although I'm, I'm convinced my wife mumbles in order to drive me insane. Tell me about it. But... <laughs> But I'm not going to let her do it. <laughs> I will not be driven insane. Um, yeah, getting old gracefully, I think, really is accepting what's coming your way. Gracefully and gratefully. You know, they, we never want to lose sight of the fact that there are some great things in our lives, new things that we can embrace, and uh, really kind of find ways to be happy about it. Okay, that sounds good. Thank you. If you're not a cat person, this is definitely a feline you want to avoid. Even if you are a cat person, you may want to pass on adoption. This pod nugget is from the HuffPost for January 23rd, 2020. An animal rescue shelter in North Carolina is being brutally honest in an adoption ad for a cat named Perdita. Mm. The heading on the ad says, Perdita, we thought she was sick. Turns out she is just a jerk. The world's worst Ah, uh, the ad continues. This cat likes staring into your soul until you Ooh. feel as if you may never be cheerful again. She dislikes kittens, dogs, children, the Dixie Chicks, and hugs. <laughs> She's single and ready to be socially awkward with a socially awkward human who understands personal space. Wow. Obviously, the ad is tongue-in-cheek, but who would want to take a chance on a mean-tempered pet who starts growling as soon as you pick her up? Perdita needs a therapist, or maybe some pet Valium. I agree with that. Buck Henry died recently at the age of 89. You may not be familiar with that name, but you are most certainly familiar with what he created. This item is from the Washington Post for January 8, 2020. Buck Henry was an actor and writer who was a major contributor to pop culture in the 60s and 70s. His first success was as a co-creator with Mel Brooks of the zany TV show Get Smart, which debuted in 1965. As a screenwriter, he wrote Candy, The Owl and the Pussycat, What's Up Doc, Catch-22, and his greatest triumph, The Graduate. The film captured the alienation and rebelliousness of the 60s. The graduate contained this advice from a neighbor. I just want to say one word to you, just one word. Plastics. 
There's a great future in plastics. As an actor, Buck Henry was closely associated with Saturday Night Live, hosting 10 episodes in the first five seasons of the show. And some of his last appearances as an actor were as Tina Fey's father in the sitcom 30 Rock. Buck Henry was a gifted artist who left his mark on an era of entertainment. Houston has a geriatric emergency center that caters to the unique needs of older patients. And it's about time. This pod nugget is from the Houston Chronicle for January 23, 2020. Memorial Hermann Hospital in the Texas Medical Center has opened the first geriatric emergency department in Houston and only the second in Texas. It's an acknowledgement that symptoms for an older patient can have a different meaning than the same symptoms for a younger person. For example, an older patient will maintain the same heart rate after a trauma, while a younger patient's heart rate will increase. Another example is that hospitalization can be bad for seniors. It can be disorienting and disrupt sleep patterns. Instead of sending older patients from the emergency room to a hospital, the goal is to send them home. In addition, there are some simple ways to accommodate seniors, such as larger fonts on intake forms and extra wheelchairs and walkers. It took about a year of preparation before Memorial Hermann received their Level 3 Geriatric Emergency Department accreditation. To earn that distinction, the emergency room had to demonstrate best practices, geriatric education for staff, and geriatric-appropriate equipment and supplies. You know, this is not only good medicine, it's also good business. By 2029, the entire boomer generation will be 65 or older. And the number of seniors 85 and older is growing three times faster than the general population. That's a lot of potential patients for a hospital that understands the unique needs of us older folks. Say, what do you say we go drop by the emergency room? Sounds like fun. What time's happy hour? A Japanese billionaire is looking for a life partner. Candidates must apply online and have an interest in space travel. This item is from the New York Times for January 13, 2020. Yusaku Maizawa is worth almost $4 billion, but at the age of 44, he's feeling lonely. In his words, I want to find a life partner. With that future partner of mine, I want to shout our love and world peace from outer space. You see, Mr. Maizawa has booked a ride around the moon on SpaceX. Not just a couple of seats. He's booked the whole rocket. Scheduled for flight in 2023. In addition to his new girlfriend, he has invited a group of artists who will be creating new art on the five-day flight. Sounds a little crowded. His search for a mate will be featured on a Japanese online matchmaking show. And if this is starting to sound like a publicity stunt, mm -hmm. well, you might be right. If interested, candidates must be over 20, have a bright and positive personality, and an interest in space travel. And it wouldn't hurt to be a, a little cuckoo. <laughs> Good luck to Mr. Maizawa as he looks for love in all the wrong places. I don't know, Paul. I might uh, take him up on that. The famous Oscar Mayer Wienermobile was grilled by a sheriff's deputy in Wisconsin. This item is from the Houston Chronicle for January 29, 2020. 
We are all familiar with the rolling hot dog sponsored by Oscar Mayer. It is a frequent participant in regional events like fairs and, I would guess, hot dog eating contests. Well, recently in Waukesha, Wisconsin, a sheriff deputy pulled the contraption over for failure to give enough room to another car with emergency lights. And did he get ticketed? No, he did not. The driver got off with a warning. Apparently, the deputy didn't relish giving the driver any punishment for hot-dogging it. Did you write that? Uh, I have no condiment on that. (laughs) Embracing the new normal is another way of saying that when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. This pod nugget is from the New York Times for January 20th, 2020. Jane Brody is a columnist for the New York Times. She's long shared her thoughts on the challenges of aging. In a recent column, she wrote about embracing the new normal, which for her is the current state of her health and well-being. In the past, she was a stubbornly independent person. She would push back on any health issue that got in her way and resist asking for help. But the reality was that her aging and arthritic body made simple activities like yard work painful and exhausting. This probably sounds familiar to many of us. In her words, I now fully understand that a successful life is not necessarily the perfect life I had imagined it would be as I got older. Rather, it's a life that rolls with the punches, adapts to changing circumstances, and makes the best of the here and now. The new normal is an interesting phrase. It speaks of living in an ever-changing world, whether it's health, relationships, finances, technology, or whatever. We have two choices. We can push back against the changes and foster a life of struggle and unhappiness. Or we can adapt to changing circumstances and adjust our lifestyle and expectations to the new normal. This may mean learning new skills and routines that allow us to navigate the challenges in our life. Accepting what we cannot change is a path that leads to greater contentment as we age. So what are your thoughts? Go to our website and send us an email on your struggles with your new normal. Our old dog's conversation is with Buddy Barnes, who has had a long career as an engineer, first in the military, then with government, and finally as a consultant. Buddy's current focus is mentoring other engineers. So, Buddy, um, I'm going to start by asking you to give me a little bit of background uh, in your career as a military engineer? Well, I started that career in uh, 1967. Uh, actually, uh, I was I was uh, requested to join the military by the President of the United States. It was a very special letter uh, drafting me. Quite an and, invitation. Yeah, it was a great invitation. And I went to Vietnam, and we we learned a lot of engineering in Vietnam as combat engineers with fortifications and blowing up mines and building roads. So when I came back uh, after a few uh, military assignments, I went back to school and finished my engineering degree. And uh, for a couple of times, I've been involved in Corps of Engineers districts. Uh, from a project engineer in the field overseeing the uh, dams on the Tin Tom Waterway, to uh, emergency management when Hurricane Frederick hit Mobile to be the area engineer for that. Came back to Savannah where I oversaw the construction of the Richard B. Russell Dam, this last dam the Corps of Engineers built back in the early 80s. And, and then finally retired and went to work for the city. 
And uh, after that, I decided that it was time to be a consultant. Uh, in your role as a consultant, apparently you've had quite a bit of experience in managing the collaboration between civilian and military engineers to develop best practices. Is that right? Yes, I've done that. It's very interesting. In the Corps of Engineers, uh, we don't do that much design except for civil works, and we depend on the civilian engineers to do that, the uh, consultants. Same with the city of Houston. And so putting together and developing those best practices, working with those very, very strong engineering firms to find out how can we get the best specifications, best practices, and work with them. So defining what that scope was, working with the cream of the crop to come up with those ideas. Buddy, we understand that you've taken on mentoring other engineers. Can you tell us about that? I have been hired to come aboard, and really it is the mentoring of highly qualified engineers to turn them into consultants. Understanding it isn't the engineering product you're selling. It is the total engineering experience that you're selling. And and you need to make sure that they understand that not only do we understand the technical side of it, we understand the financial and the management side of it. We understand the impact that any of these projects can have on the receiving populace. People always forget that the government works for the populace, and those are the people we have to satisfy. We have to make sure the product works properly for for them, whether it's transportation, water, wastewater, aviation. It has to work for the ones who are utilizing that. And that's actually what I work with in the Society of American Military Engineers, where I reach a lot of corporations and a lot of people. Buddy, have you ever experienced any pushback from the organizations that you have been involved with, considering your age? No, uh, not at all. Matter of fact, uh, the person who hired me over here, his dad and I are the same age. And I said, gee, yeah. You're asking me to do something like your dad. And he said, well, you know, you're, you've got that experience. I want to find how we can gather that experience from you. So actually, I haven't had any pushback. I've had great acceptance. Uh, and, and maybe it's because I don't try to tell them uh, how they need to do it. I work with them so they recognize the answer themselves and come to me with the answer. Me telling them how to do things uh, would be too much father and child. And from that point, they come up with solutions. And those solutions are the ones that I need to guide them through their own thought process. I can't guide them through direction. Uh, and especially in our younger generation, in our in, in the younger workforce, uh, I'm, I'm just as, if not more accepted there than the middle-aged workforce, because I can sit there and, and have a discussion with them and point out things that I'd like to ask them about to have them think about. And, and that way, it is one where they come up with solutions, they're not given solutions. That's pretty inspiring, especially if anyone who's listening to this podcast is in the role of mentoring, to follow that 
prescription seems like a path to success. I've always thought success in mentoring is not when you're while you're doing it. It's after you've had those those relationships that people want to keep those relationships up. Buddy, what are some of the challenges for military engineers transitioning to the private sector? Where the where the pushback is from industry in many cases is happens to be many of our young officers coming out, but they have not gone through and and in the engineering business, they may not be strong in design, they may not be strong in, in certain technical things. What they're strong in is being able to work with people. And, and the truth is, a good engineer uh, and, and designer can be bought very cheaply. A good manager, a good leader is, is, is an expensive item that we need to capture those who show that skill. And so translating what, what they've done into the language of business is what we're working with all of the service members, actually is through SAME, through society. And so it's, it's a major passion of mine to make sure that we're finding places for people who have, have left the service for whatever reason. So has this transitioning work by the Society of American Military Engineers been successful? Oh, we have we have a lot of people who have transitioned. Uh, when we go uh, to this transition workshop, firms are there, and almost every one of them bring at least one of their military who's now established in that firm. And so they're hearing from the person who's made that transition from that firm. We're, we're placing about 100% right now. Wow. So if someone listening to this podcast wanted to get involved, how would they go about uh, connecting with this process? Well, we actually, uh, in, in the Society of American Military Engineers, our website is www.same.org. And they can look into our communities of interest where we do have, uh, we have different committees and let us know that they are interested in that. First of all, we'd love to have them uh, join us and, uh, and be members of the organization. Given that you're not retired and, and you don't plan on retiring, what's next, buddy? Well, uh, I've got a lot of things on my to-do list. I don't plan to uh, stop working in a corporation. Uh, to do them. If, if I did, I'd end up at home having to do a honey-do list, and I'm not sure how well I could be able to do that. Uh, I'm better working uh, in corporations. Well, there's plenty of honey-do's in corporations, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, finally, buddy, before we go, what have you learned that's important to you? I, I really think uh, one of the first things is is, is trust your your first feelings and move forward on that. I, I also learned, you know, at a young age, uh, I was 23 when I was in Vietnam and that was the first time I got wounded. And you have to remember that, that no matter where you are in this whole, whole world, that uh, everything gets better. You keep moving forward, keep taking on those challenges. I've been lucky to be in almost three phases of life with the military and the government and consulting and find that thing that you have a passion for. That has been what has kept me 
going for over 50 years is I find my passion and I commit to that passion and, and then I make it a realization. Like what you've been hearing? How about sharing the joy with your friends? We can always use more listeners. All our episodes are available on our website, www.olddogspodcast.com. And there are a lot more episodes on the way, so stay tuned and keep howling at the moon.